Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Three, two, one, and hey, we're live. I have got some exciting news, and this would only be exciting if you're a real true nerd, like, of course, my lovely wife, Julie. Hmm. Let's hear it. Okay, so Julie's giving me a glare right now because she doesn't like me calling her a nerd. But here's the proof that she's a nerd. She actually does an exact copy of Yoda's voice. How many I'm not doing that right now. How many women more could... warning than that. Good how... grief. <laughs> how many women could do Yoda's voice? No, I'm nerding out because our whole um, podcasting studio equipment finally arrived by carrier pigeon from Australia. So we're going to actually be able to finish setting up our studio, which I've been trying to do for the past like eight months. Mm-hmm. So I'm actually thrilled seeing it all there and at the same time intimidated because it's staring back at me saying, you're never going to figure me out. I know. And you haven't <laughs> asked me to read the directions yet. So no. Well, good. I'm going to try to do it myself. I'm actually going to try it on. Awesome. Well, here's why, Julie. Look at this. Did you see this? Good grief. Man. Yeah. But look, how much simpler. So I'm showing Julie what is probably a two foot by probably 18 inch instructions that are on pieces Giant of cardboard card. with big pictures. So I think I can handle this. We'll I, see. I think I can do it. It's going to be an interesting process. So we've had a wonderful day of coaching. We mm-hmm. just, um, we had, uh, I think I was on, I was on two, uh, three Zooms today mm-hmm. and a bunch of coaching calls. And it's so much fun talking with all of our coaching clients because most of the coaching clients that Julie and I work directly with and the, the agents attending our Zooms and our masterminds and all the things we do every day, um, they have been with us for a long period of time, and so they're entering into this changing market with eyes open. They're not. We don't have to convince them of it, so it's nice talking to the converted um, because then we can start planning and having conversations that are going to essentially make it so that, you know, really, truly, when this market you know, makes a real obvious turn, which is going to be towards the end of the year, that they're going to be absolutely primed for it. And it's exciting because they're excited, you know, so it's so much mm-hmm. fun to be on calls. It's such a... I have to say, it's such a dichotomy compared to what else is out in the world right now. The doom and gloom and COVID is coming back. And Ugh. I mean, in Puerto Rico, the, the, there's right now, I think COVID has, we have the number one, uh, in, we're the fastest increasing. Yeah. We're not really a state, but you know, as, as part of the United States, Puerto Rico right now has the most, the highest percent. I think it's what, it's only 34% though yeah. increase. Which, if you're, it wasn't a real high number. I still think it's less than a hundred cases, but still. Well, for a population of three point three million, it's not so bad, but still, no. you know, yeah. it's funny when something bad happens. Puerto Rico makes the news as a quasi-state, not really territory of the U.S. And when lots of good things happen, you never hear anything about it. Yeah, I know. So, it does. Is that if we were? It is kind but of we weird. we had a lot of preconceived notions about Puerto Rico before we moved here because yeah. of all the sure. bizarro media bias. But so in any event. All of that is, um, you know, going to be 
I think even more omnipresent in our lives as we further in, in, you know, go further into 2020 into 2021. All the while, it's so just I'm so rejoiceful, frankly, to have so many wonderful people in our lives. A lot of you podcast listeners, you're experiencing the same thing. You're not afraid of the new market. You're not afraid of what's happening. You're not in denial about it. You're excited about it. Hey, Julie, you want to share some highlights from any of your coaching calls from today? Yeah, um, absolutely. So a common theme, and this makes me happy too, is you know many of our listeners and certainly our coaching clients did get the PPP money, did do the EIDL money. They have that financial cushion. They're feeling confident. At the same time, they're pretty slammed with, especially buyers scrambling to find inventory listings, which are also taking a lot of time because they have multiple offers and that takes a while to wade through and negotiate. And of course, all the trailing agents texting, wondering if it's still available and all these things, right? So on the one hand, I'm super proud of them because they're running a lean, mean fighting machine with uh, money in the bank and they're ready to rumble. But one of the topics we talked about was the concept of using a referral agent, not building a team, not adopting an army of buyer's agents to cover yourself because you're slammed with buyers, but having some competent um, you know, referral agents and supplementing yourself, as well as using a transaction coordinator. Some of these guys have 12 or 15 or 18 deals pending and they're getting sucked into the drama of appraisals and inspections and financing and all of the things that go along with, of course, pending deals. So I'm super proud of them for having so much going on, but I also feel the stress of having that many plates spinning at the same time. Yeah, well, I'm... Nice problem to have, believe me. But, but I am getting... Same similar calls, obviously. Yeah. And the folks that I've been talking to, uh, my private clients and just people on group calls, most of them are doing really fantastic right now. But I'm warning them and I'm making sure that they're, you know, look, it, yeah. you definitely want to make hay while the sun is shining. But at the same time, don't think it's going to last forever. And the whole mindset, that sort of approach to business, the reason that we try to, you know, sort of infect everyone with that way of thinking is because it keeps them frosty. It will keep the tendency to want to go, want to be complacent at bay. Mm -hmm. um, and so if you think, oh, it's going to be like this forever, you know, houses are going to be selling themselves and da 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 interest rates are going to be low, all these things, are, I mean, those types of thoughts will keep you from actually looking forward to seeing where the new... Uh, risks are where your uh, what is it? What is it? Elon Musk calls it? Threat, risk vector, threat vector. Threat vectors are, right? Yeah. Exactly. Well, they and, are out there too. But at the same time, um, you will also miss new opportunities. So yes, obviously, we want you to hope for the best, but be prepared for the worst. And for all of you guys who are struggling, who are not going in the right direction, or maybe you just got into real estate now, I have to tell you, you actually entered into the real estate market. What do you think I'm going to say, listeners? You think I'm going to say at the worst time? I not, nope. do not feel that way. <laughs> you're entering into the real estate market at the best time. And the reason you're entering in the real estate market at the best time is because this is an opportunity. So if you don't have a strong centers of influence and past client, in a, in a seller's market, you're going to have you're going to have a hell of a hard time uh, competing because a lot of the opportunities. I probably say sixty to seventy percent of all sellers choose somebody based on centers of influence and past clients. And in a seller's market, it the sellers are not that particular about who they list with. In a seller's market, they'll list with just somebody that they know because they know if they even overprice the house and stick it in the MLS, it's going to sell itself. You guys see how you were at a disadvantage in the previous market, especially if you're a new agent and you didn't have a really huge center of influence and past client list? Well, guess what happens in a, a transitioning market, let alone a buyer's market? It becomes skills-based. Yes, the sellers might give a center of influence past client agent, um, you know, someone they know. They The seller might give that person a shot. But if that agent hasn't developed the skills to be able to solve that seller's perspective problems, 
then guess what happens? That means the new agent who basically got the listing just because they maybe, you know, did a proactive lead generation call to them. Maybe they did something that we teach them in a coaching program. Uh, and then they're out there with no previous contact with that seller and they're winning the listing over the agent who would have easily had it maybe back when it was a seller's market. And it's because the agent who won it has the skill sets. They have uh, accepted the fact that their highest and truest purpose on this planet is to be of service to others. In a market like we're in, let alone the one we're entering into, um, it's going to be skills-based. You're going to have to, as we've been hopefully making it past your guys' thick heads, getting into your you know, accepting phase of this you know, transition that we're going into, that once you accept the fact that, yes, your highest and truest purpose on this planet is to be of service to others, the next part of it is going to be, well, what does that mean? You're going to have to learn some new skills that so that you can indeed be of service to other people. It's really not complicated, guys. And I so one of the um, group calls I had today was with a big group of EXP people. And I'm going to, you know, some of you guys get your, you know, panties in a bunch when I talk about um, brokerages because, you know, a brokerage for some of you is like a really big emotional decision. So just bear with me. I, I have to tell you, this call so motivated me that I had this Zoom I had because I was there talking with people. Some of them had been in EXP for, you know, six months. Some of them had been in EXP for a year. And the EXP stock, I don't know if you guys paid attention mm, or even yep. have it on your radar, but EXP stock has more than doubled in value this year. So there was somebody on the call today, on this mastermind that I was in, who had, um, long story short, in um, 2016, they hit, or maybe it was 2015, I honestly don't remember, they hit icon status at EXP. And what icon status means is after you cap, so after you pay in your $16,000, and you if you sell an additional 20 units um, or have a total GCI of $500,000, you qualify for ICON. I'm oversimplifying it, but that's the gist of it. And when you qualify for ICON, you have an opportunity to get your entire $16,000 back, the entire cap you paid in the form of EXPI stock. It doesn't just happen automatically. There's a process. But all of you who actually will hit the you know, reach ICON status if you follow the rules, you'll be given the EXPI stock back. Well, so this gal who I think was, like I said, 2015 or 16, hit ICON, got her cap back, 16,000 of EXPI stock was awarded to her. Well, on this call today, she said that EXPI stock is now worth over $100,000. How amazing that. is that? That's so awesome. <laughs> think about that. I mean, how, seriously. Think about this. How long would it take you on how many rental properties, even if they were paid off, right. to net that same hundred grand? Exactly. A long ass time. A long ass time. <laughs> Is right. Well, and then, you know, revenue shares. The other thing, I'm seeing more and more agents that are entering into this transitioning market and they're making, you know, enough money per month to sometimes exceed their monthly personal overhead. And they're making it from revenue share. I had a fun conversation. I'm sorry I'm talking about EXP because I know some of you guys get a little mad at me when I do, but just bear with me, okay? So I had a conversation with someone today who was in the, uh, curious about EXP and they were with a company that had profit share. And they were saying, well, I already have profit share, to which I asked how much. And they were making, you know, it was it was not terrible. It was like $800 a month. Well, it wasn't terrible in their company where most agents don't make any profit share. So it was $800 a month. And I asked them how long they had been at uh, that particular company, how many agents that they had essentially recruited or sponsored at that particular company. And then I told them um, about somebody I knew at EXP who had been at EXP for about 18 months had, had recruited and sponsored the same number of people and the amount of money that he was making. And the example I gave, the essentially the numbers were that the person at EXP after, it wasn't even 18 months, it was more like maybe 14 months, 
was making the same amount that this agent was making per month, and they'd been at EX or they'd been at this other company for over 20 years. And they were, in their minds, doing really well with profit share. Then I had to explain to them the difference between profit share and revenue share, mm -hmm. which the bottom line is, is if you're going to, you know, you want revenue share, you don't want profit share, because if revenue share means you get shared your uh, revenue off the top of the people you sponsor versus hoping and praying that there's some profit left in the brokerage that they happen to be brokering in so you can actually get some piece of whatever's left, which there isn't usually because most brokerages make no money. Okay, especially so, now. Especially now. Well, why am I telling you all this? Because you guys could both be experiencing the same thing. All of you could be making money from EXPI stock, and you get EXPI stock for just doing the things you're already doing. You know, if, when you sell your first house, when you sponsor somebody and they sell their first house, and all these types of things. So you do all of this at EXP. They award you stock. Now you have there is a vesting period of three years, but you also can buy the stock at a discount, and there is no vesting period. Uh, again, uh, how would you feel right now going into what's going to be probably a protracted recession? How would you feel knowing you had enough money coming in to more than cover all of your personal overhead? That's what eXp Realty has become for literally tens of thousands of agents. And also on that same call, I was amazed to hear that eXp, get this guys, you don't have any probably you know basic comparison, but eXp is going to probably add close to something like 400 agents a week this month. That's an enormous amount of growth. Uh, and so you see all these wonderful things happening. And, and I'm very enthusiastic and excited because I see all the direct impact it's having in a positive way on, on agents' lives. I mean, again, how would you feel right now going to this recession or this depression or whatever the hell it's going to be, knowing you had the financial security to more than cover all of your bills? And so when you sold real estate, they could go to whatever you wanted to, maybe picking up some bargains in the real estate market, or maybe the money you made from real estate could go, you could donate the money, or you could pay off old debts, or you could just do whatever you wanted to do. There's still time, realistically, because of all the government intervention before we really start to feel the downfall of this recession. There's probably maybe six or eight months. If you guys are interested in talking to me about eXp Realty, I want you to text me directly at 512-758-0206. Text me directly at 512-758-0206. You owe it to yourself and you owe it to your future self to at the very least have yourself protected for whatever market changes are coming. And there's really no better way than you know basically improving your skills and having some honest to God alternative income streams. All right, so Julie, I have a congratulations for you. What's that? I guess this is going to be a congratulations podcast. Maybe that's what we'll call it. Deal. Our book yes. is getting reordered again. Well. Yeah. There's a big reorder going on. It's awesome. And our book, Harris Rules, it's been out now for 12 months, uh, no, no, 13 months. Mm -hmm. Yep. And it continues to be a bestseller. The Audible version is now basically becoming a bestseller. Which is excellent, by the it way. It is excellent. Mm -hmm. If you guys have not picked up Harris Rules yet, please do seriously consider it. It's on Amazon, and obviously you can get the Audible version of it. Almost 400 five-star reviews. It's really great. Sometimes if I'm not feeling as chipper as I like to be, I'll go over to Amazon and read the reviews. It always makes me feel better. So Julie did most of the construction of this book, and I thought I'd use this podcast because a lot of you guys are curious about the process of what it takes to write a book. And so I thought I'd share with, have Julie uh, describe to you the different, essentially the process of going about writing a book. So I'm gonna interview Julie a little bit about this All book, because right. again, she did a, a majority of the work. So Julie, yes, how did you find the time in your schedule <laughs> to yes. actually do it? Well, isn't that the quintessential question, right? To really do anything in addition to your normal schedule. I had to actually schedule it as if it was a podcast, as if it was coaching calls, as if it was, you know, for our listeners, a listing appointment. 
In other words, something that was unreschedulable. So in order for that to happen, you know, I had to find a place where I knew that I could actually get that done. I had to do it. I think I was doing, for the most part, I was writing two or three days a week in the afternoon after the podcast, after coaching calls. But I also had accountability. That was the real one. Okay, I did because if it was just honestly, not for me. As much as I think that I'm disciplined, <laughs> if it was up to me, you know, on the days where I just didn't feel like writing, which does happen, um, I wouldn't have done it. She had editors that basically were giving her deadlines to get certain things done. Editors for everything. Good grief. Yep. And so as far as the book, Julie, organizing the book. So get, mm-hmm. read up some of like the chapters and, you know, essentially yep. why they went in the sequential order that they did. Well, so part of this was an organizational thing because I wanted the book and I think you wanted the book to bring together a lot of coaching thoughts, podcasts, our core coaching thoughts, things that we've proven over the years to be effective for our listeners and our coaching clients. So that's a lot of content. That's a whole lot of different things. But some of the um, some of the chapters, and I tried to make them make sense so we didn't just jump into lead generation. We had some mindset that ramped them up into being able to digest those thoughts and then a drill down and then a summary, you know, and of course. So for example. So for example, the first uh, these are rules, right? So these aren't just chapters. We turn the chapters into rules. So if you follow these rules, you'll have success faster. Number one, I'm a doer. I do things now. I get things done. We've talked about this on podcasts before because it's your responsibility. We talked about it yesterday. You're here. So that's Harris rule number that's one. Number I'm one. a doer. I get things done. I and- do things now. That's, that is actually a uh, procrastination defeat strategy. Right. Okay. Which you yourself employed in your own life. All the time. Yes. I probably say that a hundred times a day. Okay. Rule number two, have smart goals. The difference between a goal and a dream. We talk about that in, in rule number two, a smart goal. That's different than a dream. S M A R T stands for specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and time bound. So that explains, you know, before we, we say, how are you going to make the money? It's why are you making the money? What's motivating you? So rule number three, give up your scarcity mindset and embrace abundance, still staying kind of deep in mindset so that we can actually accomplish something That's later. a deep chapter, though, because that whole scarcity thing goes deeper than people really think. Way. The series that we just finished up of don't ever say these things to yourself, we could have easily, we could have easily called it, this is, your, are you saying, you know, your scarcity mindset starts with these thoughts, right? That's and right. Because that really is where it all starts from. That's true. And scar- in, yeah. In fact, uh, for our coaching members, we have a, a big section in a chart comparing how somebody who's scarcity minded versus abundance minded actually thinks some of the things that they say and what their actions are. So, for example, a scarcity-minded person is always blaming somebody else. Yep. And, and, you know, they feel like there's only $1 to go around. And so if you have it, I can't have it. Well, but the scarcity mindset, too, is at the root of why a lot of people don't think that they can ever be rich because they think... Right, the rich have to take it from somebody else right. in order for them to get it. So when you, you know, it's Good your money it, guilt. Exactly, but it's that's the scarcity mindset, believing there's only so much to go around. Mm-hmm. And hey, guys, just from a kind of a silly but real obvious practical perspective, if you think there's a scarcity of money, just remind yourself that the government's printed what over ten trillion dollars since yeah. you know March. So clearly, there's no scarcity of money. No. They it's could around. Just, they could just fire up the uh, you know the printing presses. That's exactly right. So then after we've ramped you up into these thoughts, rule number four is profit is your product. Another thing to stop being weird about. Profit is your product. Yes, good customer service and all the other things are too, but ultimately, would you do your next transaction for free? 
Well, so you and I worked on that one for a long mm-hmm. time. And the whole point and of we've that, done podcasts about that too. Right. And the whole reason that we, well, what got us there is because we have so many coaching clients that come to us just even now, but especially in a downturn. And they're, they're essentially, a lot of them will have these huge teams, huge, you know, brokerages, same thing, huge overhead, blah, 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 blah. They have, and they always start, every time I have a free coaching call with one of these guys, it's always, you know, I have this award, that award, I've been in the business this long, I've sold this many houses, and they just sort of keep on, you know, flapping mm-hmm. their jaws about all their uh, acclaim. And, and it's because, and then I say, well, so with all, this is typically what I say, just to slow them down and really focus them. I say, so how much money do you think you've earned in like the past five years? And, you know, it'll be some huge number. And I'll say, so with all that money you've earned, you must be a multimillionaire. And then they usually say nothing. Right. And the reason they say nothing is because they're not. And they're realizing I just cut through their ego. And, and what they had done without knowing it is they had actually exchanged literally made a decision, albeit subconsciously, to for the adulation of others. Uh, in other words, their ego became a, you know, the thing that they're going to feed more than their own families and mm-hmm. themselves financially. So they they had never thought about you have to make a decision either to be famous or to be rich and which will you choose? And so many of them without realizing it chose fame and opposed to subconsciously, rich subconsciously subconsciously because they want that um what's the word julie what's the word that the greatest well, they want recognition recognition that's it that's yeah. what most so when you guys are like if you are so all of us are so easily manipulated basically off recognition when someone gives you a compliment when you're given an award or a plaque and what happens in a lot of, especially in the brokerage industry is the brokerage industry knows that if you want to retain agents what you do is you give them a lot of also you know, often under-earned praise or plaques or awards. And then they won't, because you gave them that feeling of recognition, they will not probably think to come to you and ask you for a better commission split because you have given them something that for many of them is a more of a motivating factor, recognition, than even money because these agents aren't thinking like business people. They aren't realizing that their product truly is profit. And the other side of the product is profit uh, conversation is you can, you know, this is a, Julie and I learned this from asking and, you know, thousands of agents in front of live events, we'd say, what is your product? And they'd always say happy customers, sold houses, and a bunch of touchy feely words like that. And, and we'd say, all those things are true, but none of those things are relevant compared to what your true product is, which is profit. Profit is the ultimate output of any successful business. The more profit uh, you create in your business, the more people you've helped and the more successful, obviously the more efficient and smart of a business person you are. So why do most brokerages make less than 3% profit? Why do most teams make marginally more than that? Why is it that most real estate people never retire? Because they don't, and no one ever has, told them that their product is profit. Next chapter. That's right. All right. So here's another shocking one. Rule number five. Are you ready? Prospecting sucks. Do it anyway. <laughs> okay. Do you see how we couldn't start that with rule number one? We had to work you into No one it. would buy the book. That's right. Prospecting sucks. Do it anyway. So prospecting is the deliberate pursuit of new business. That's all it is. You don't have to freak out and get hives because I said the word prospecting. But the most important part is do it anyway. It is your most important job. Nothing else happens in real estate 
if you're not prospecting, if you're not lead generating. Another great book you guys should read aside from Harris Rules is Jeb Blunt's book, uh, yep. Fanatical Prospecting. We've had him on the podcast before. Definitely read that book. Yep. And I'll just cut through all of it, though. Um, the social networking, anything that's passive, anything that doesn't put you in a position to potentially hear no directly, you're not really doing your job. And here's another thing that a mental and emotional challenge for yourself. Specifically, if you're not putting yourself in a position to hear no at least five times a day, you didn't work that day. That's, That's right. really the bottom line. And maybe your number's more, right? Maybe it's 10 times a day. If you didn't put yourself in a position to hear the word no, mm-hmm. you know, a certain amount of times that are determined, by the way, it's here's a little secret, guys. The number of contacts you make a day should be the same as the number of listings you need at all times to reach your real estate magic number. Your real estate magic number is the amount of money that you need at all times to meet or exceed your financial uh, goals and um, you know hopes and dreams as well. If you again, I know for some of you, I'm speaking a foreign language right now. If you want to know what your real estate magic number is, if you want a copy of the book, not Harris Rules, but uh, the Real Estate Treasure Map, just text the word survival to to three one nine nine six. Text the word survival to 31996, and we're going to text you back a link to join the free coaching program. Don't be you know, confused about this. It's a smidge of the normal premier coaching uh, program, but it does get you the real estate treasure map. It does get you the ultimate agent survival guide. It does get you the 90-day massive action plan and a lot of other stuff. So text the word survival to 31996, and we'll text you back a link so you can join the free coaching program. Next chapter. That's right. Okay. So rule number six, don't be a one spoke wonder. And we go pretty deep on that. I don't know how much you want to talk about spokes because they can get the book. Yeah, they can get the, well, but the the, the, uh, explanation is the more spokes you have on your bicycle wheel, ideally you should have seven, you know, lead generation wheel, bicycle wheel. Mm -hmm. Ideally you should have multiple spokes. And the note, the one spoke wonders, those are the people that are almost always getting their business from buying buyer leads. That's their one spoke Mm -hmm. or it's centers of influence and past clients. And ultimately, the problem is is if you have a one-spoke wheel or a one-spoke lead generation business, it's so easy for that spoke to fail. Imagine rolling down the road with a bike wheel with one spoke and you hit a little pebble on the road. How strong? What's the integrity of that wheel? It's going to crack. It's going to, you're going to, you're going to crash. Same thing happens with real estate agents that only have one spoke. So in our book, in our coaching program, we help you to develop the correct spokes in the correct order so that you have the strongest lead generation wheel uh, possible. And also that same logic applies to building your financial future. You know, you shouldn't have one source of income. You should work towards having income sources, ideally income sources that are not dependent on you doing a transaction. And that's what we talk about. I forget in what chapter in the book, but let's go through a couple more. Yes, you got it. Okay. So related to that, uh, rule number seven, know your magic number. The magic number is the number of listings you have to have at all times. Active listings, by the way, don't double count your pending listings, active listings at all times that will uh, generate enough business to meet or exceed your monthly goals. Okay. So we talk about that. And again, we've had some podcasts about that as well. And again, if you want to know what your real estate magic number is, it's part of the real estate treasure map, which you get for free. Just text the word survival to 31996. Yes. And rule number eight, you must list to last in case you were confused after you realized your magic number and got intimidated by that. You must list to last. Listing agents have a better lifestyle. Listing agents are working their brains more. It's, you know, it's mental Uh, labor versus physical labor, especially you guys that are slammed with buyers right now know that when you have to write multiple offers to win, 
you know, the listing agent always wins. So you must list to last. Number Rule number nine. But Julie, I have a question yeah. for you about that. Sure. Why do so many agents, or aside from skills and aside from what you just said about it requiring skills and it's mental labor versus physical labor, what do you think the other reason why the industry on a whole doesn't train agents to chase listings primarily? Why do you think that's true? I think the easy button is working with buyers. That's it. That's you the know, answer. Well, they're easier to come by. Right. And generally, they are, most of the time, they're getting something versus sometimes listings are losing something. Buyers are happier. They're more fun. You know what's hilarious you know? to me? And I do, I don't, maybe the word's not hilarious, but what's bizarre to me, bizarre, mm -hmm. is like getting buyer leads is so damn easy. I know. It's like <laughs> shooting fish in a barrel, especially if you're a listing agent. And if you look at like when Zillow it's does nuts. their, you know, they show their premier agent. Of course, they're not really, you know, agents have figured it out about Zillow and all these buying buyer leads thing. But you look at how much money agents on a whole have spent buying buyer leads. I cannot believe it. And I'll get it. I'll approach that cannot believe it from two perspectives. I can't believe it because the industry, brokers, office managers haven't told agents that buying buyer leads is insanity and it's easy, buyer leads are just everywhere. They're the easiest thing in the world to get. But I, I, I think maybe stretched my mind trying to think, well, why is it the industry's not telling them then a blinding flash of the obvious? It's because the brokers and the office managers that are in the industry, most of them have only been in the business for the last 10 years where buying buyer leads was normal. And so yeah. no one ever told them that buyer leads were easy to get. Yeah, it's like no a one, way of life for them. Right. And no one ever told them that basically that you could generate buyer leads for free. And so they, because they grew up in the real estate industry where buying buyer leads since about 07, 08 was normal. They then passed that sure. really crappy, infective information, defective information off to so many of you. And then you just <laughs> basically accept that that's the way it's supposed to be. But I'm here to tell you, buying buyer leads is the height of stupidity because you can generate buyer leads for free. Buyer leads are the easiest thing on planet earth to create. Well, don't you, spend money on them. And I mean by yeah. don't spend money on them, don't spend money on social networking. Don't spend money on them buying leads from you know the lead portals. Don't buy buyer leads. You can generate themselves. Here's the answer. Generate listing leads. You focus on becoming a powerful listing agent. And from every one listing, Julie and I did a study on this. It was a long time ago, but I'm sure the information is still valid. For every one listing you have, if you just do a couple things to you know basically open houses and things like that, you can generate usually between 30 and 50 buyer leads for free. Yeah, that's right. Even if you don't have a bunch of listing inventory, or you don't have the right listing inventory. I had an agent on uh, Premier Coaching the other day who was bar quote borrowing, you know, a listing from sure. somebody we did in his it. office. We started Absolutely. selling real estate. Yeah, you can still do open houses. I mean, there's nothing yeah. saying you can't do that. So you can create that. We also use the 800 number. 800 Home Hotline can create some action for you too, even if you don't have listings. Uh, so find out about that. All right. Next is rule number nine. Be the best listing agent in your market. 1-800-HOME-HOTLINE.COM. If you guys have never checked that out, definitely check it out. It's one of the best. If we are to get back into real estate, we get this question all the time. What are the first, you know, what would we do? We'd absolutely do be proactive lead generators. We'd absolutely focus all of our energies on uh, chasing uh, sellers. And we'd absolutely use 800-HOME-HOTLINE. So Julie, what's yep. the next chapter? Okay, so no, rule number nine. Be the best listing agent in your market. So that also is increasing your responsibility to get your skills on, right? So it's not just dabbling with listings. It's, you know, some people feel like they're really great listing agents, but the only listings they've had has been friends and family repeat business. So being the best listing agent, we define what does that mean in that rule in that chapter. Uh, let's see, the next one is rule number 10. I think you created this rule, done is better than perfect. Actually, I didn't, you know who did? 
was it Google or um, you no? Know, Sheryl Sandberg was that yeah CEO of Facebook. Facebook. That's and right. It was pretty funny. She but said, but you've adopted it and made it your own. Yeah. She she came to Facebook and she was basically saying she was so frustrated with all these analytical engineer types wanting to make everything exactly perfect, you know, which is hilarious. You can imagine, you know, she's probably a driver type. I'm sure she is. And she was like, let's get it out. Let's get this product out. Let's get it done. Mm-hmm. Nope, just a couple more days. Nothing. A couple more delays. The change of this. The change of that. So she said, done is the enemy or perfect is the enemy what was it again perfect is the enemy of done yeah perfect is the enemy of done well i mean agents are so guilty of this right how long listeners and some of you are coaching members have you been working on your pre-listing package exactly how long do you take to make a home brochure right i mean it's dabbling it's tweaking it's polishing you know those things are not on the list of dollar productive activities yes you have to do them here's the insidious part of that though too Mm -hmm. how many people out there right now who call themselves coaches or trainers are actually keep teaching agents to do more things they're going to result in more procrastinating i'm going to tell you how to run facebook ads looking for buyers i'm going to tell you how to do this little gimmicky thing on instagram or we're going to now be making videos for TikTok and all this other mickey mouse stuff And, oh, no, you why didn't you get results from it? Because you have to spend more time on your ads, your landing page. They're trying to make you into Internet marketers. And have you guys ever stopped to actually wonder whether those people actually know how to do any proactive lead generation? They don't, or they would never be doing that in the first place because they know that stuff is an exercise in futility for the most part. Right? You could maybe argue, and I think an argument is to be made, that Facebook ads increase awareness, but who cares? What difference does it make? If you can go and have direct contact with, we don't have to go through all of them. Yeah. If you can go and have direct contact, and what we teach you in our coaching program is exactly who to call, exactly what to say, um, exactly how to actually answer and overcome objections and questions and whatnot. We teach you the whole exact process to put you right in front of people who absolutely want to sell their houses now. Why would you waste time trying to look for leads when leads are abundant all around you? You know, it was Frederick Eklund and he was on our podcast and, Mm -hmm. you know, he said something was so, I love simple things, right? I remember what he said. Yeah. Yeah, He said, Tim, every day I wake up and I walk outside of my, you know, apartment in New York and everywhere I go, I'm rubbing elbows with people that have to buy or sell real estate or lease real estate. There's not a place I can ever go in New York City where there's not somebody who is at least real estate curious. And he was absolutely right. And your lives are like that too. Now we only got through the first, what, 10 rules? Yeah. Seven rules? 10. And how many rules are there in Harris rules? Oh, let's see. Uh, 18. 18 rules. Plus a whole bunch of appendices. Right, exactly. So you guys, this book was written for all of you. It gives you your A to Z exact how to build your real estate business. We do not waste time on fluff. We do not waste time on woo-woo. We do not waste time on anything that is not just factual and drilled down. We don't believe that any of you should be spending any time on that stuff uh, that's not going to put you directly in the position to be of service to somebody and make you and yourself money, uh, your family money. That is the goal. That is ultimately the purpose of having a business and having a profit-driven business is something that doesn't seem like anybody's actually, um, and, you know, essentially teaching you guys to do nowadays. In any in, in any aspect, go to the bookstore when the bookstores open again. Go to Amazon. Look to see all. Put in business, right? Put in the business section of Amazon and look to see how many books are actually written about. Profit, 
None of them are written about profit. They're all written about essentially doing things like social net. There's like this whole. Or they're very mindset-y. Or they're very mindset-y, right? Nobody actually gives you practical tech. And that might be the very reason why, in, in real estate at least, something like 18, well, after 18 months, 85% of all the agents fell out of the real estate industry. Well, guess what? Similar statistics apply to any business startup, not just real estate. The failure rate for small businesses off the charts. Why? Because people don't spend their time doing the things that are going to put them in a position to help people and make money. Any thoughts, Julie? Well, I was just thinking about uh, one of the questions I had on Premier Coaching the other day was, and I, this is not the only time I get this. It's a pretty common thing that maybe once or twice a week. Um, the agent was talking about, you know, I'm a new agent and my broker told me I better start my geographic farm. <sighs> okay. And I, my first question always, and, and this is similar to like, I, where's the best place to buy buyer leads? I just asked the agent a simple question. So what's your budget for that? Exactly. And there's always silence. I hadn't even thought that I, a budget. I'm, I thought I was just supposed to spend it and pray to the real estate gods. And then, you know, remember it wasn't working. So then I call and ask them why and whatever company it was will say, well, you haven't waited long enough. You haven't spent enough so, money. So Julie's skipping some steps, yada, yada. but that's, but that's the exact thing. You guys get into real estate and you go to somebody that tells you start your geographic farm. Well, okay, this is what you do. You start mailing people or you start dropping off tchotchkes. You start doing this on a regular basis. In other words, they want you to start spending money. Throwing it on your credit card, right. spending money you Building don't have. Building debt to, that, with the idea that hopefully one day you will somehow magically um, be able to get some people calling you as a result of the, you know, the, the, uh, the cacophony of crap you've been dropping off right. at their door. Now, what would be the broker's motivation aside from, let's just say he wants to help you be pro uh, productive. Well, the broker is essentially co-oping you to uh, market his brokerage in that particular area because on all those postcards inevitably would be the broker's information. Right, listeners? Mm -hmm. Does this make sense? What Julie and I teach you to do is we teach you to go into that same very neighborhood and just contact the people who already have their hands in the air saying, yes, I want to sell my house. And yes, you're going to have to know what to say. You're going to have to know scripts. You're going to have to have conversations worked out in your head. You know, scripts are basically conversations that are designed around questions, right? You're going to have to know what to say and how to say it versus what? The agent who just mails postcards hoping and praying that one day the real estate gods are going to give them a lead. And here's the irony of it. Even if they got a lead, Oh my God, the postcards worked. I've been mailing for 14 years and finally I get a seller call. I'm being called out on a listing appointment. What makes you think you're going to get that listing? You still don't know how to sell. You don't know actually how to present. You think you're just going to walk in there and the seller's going to have all your postcards up on a wall and say, oh my gosh, I love all your postcards and this is the reason I decided to list with you? No, they're going to make you overcome objections. They're going to make and you- And you're going to compete with whoever's in their center of influence or maybe whoever sold them the house. And it's not just going to be a slam dunk. Right. And then 18 months passes, you're now questioning your insanity or your sanity <laughs> yeah. about staying in real estate. You're realizing you've accumulated a bunch of debt. Oh, and you've gone to some seminar about basically how to you know do social networking and you've done a bunch of videos and whatnot. No business is coming from it. You're wondering what the heck's happening. And then what happens, and this is really what pisses us off, is you start questioning yourself. You start saying, maybe I wasn't good enough. Maybe I wasn't good looking enough. Maybe I wasn't smart enough. Maybe I wasn't tall enough, skinny enough, fat enough. Maybe I wasn't whatever enough. That's what you start doing because you start essentially failing because the ideas you were following were failing. But guess what? The ideas never worked in the first place. Yeah. And because you trusted people who maybe did know or didn't know, I hopefully, I'm, I always go with they didn't know that those things don't work. They just t were told to do them. So they just passed along the same bad information. Are you guys following me here? 
So again, I'm probably giving them a longer leash than they deserve. But then you start realizing, oh my gosh, I don't have the financial staying power to stay in this business. And then you fail out, right? How many and you age? think it was you. And you think it was you. All the while, it was you to an extent that you listened to the wrong people about what you're supposed to be doing in your real estate business. That's the truth. How does that, that doesn't sit well with all of well, you, does it? Because they don't but know it's the truth. how to pre-qualify coaches and trainers and brokers and office managers. They don't right. pre-qualify. It's funny how well some of you guys pre-qualify your random buyers because you don't really want to work with them. <laughs> but do you actually pre-qualify who you are taking information from? You don't. They don't. You don't. That's why we create Compare Coach. Right. There's no there's no criteria to call yourself a coach, guys. There's no criteria. There was. And most people who are, you know, essentially in positions of leadership in real estate, most of them have never sold any amount of homes. They you should ask them that. Which by the way, Julie just brought it up. Go to comparacoach.com. Comparacoach.com. C-O-M-P-A-R-E-A-C-O-A-C-H.com. And just use the questions on comparacoach.com when you're thinking about taking information and advice from anybody, not just thinking about hiring a coach, but even your office manager, your team leader, whatever the title is. And you will quickly figure out that most of these people haven't been in real estate long enough to have ever lived through a transition. And if they have, they not have, have not been very successful in real estate to start with. So maybe you need to upgrade who you're getting your information from. Just an idea, just a thought. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Any closing right. thoughts? Well, I mean, I remember there was a one of our clients said that their, I think it was their office manager said, uh, why are you calling expired? Should people only do that till they can afford to buy buyer leads. Oh, gross. Like, what? <laughs> you been, where, who is this person? No, that's not okay. So, you know, there's a lot of misinformation out there. And, uh, you know, go to comparecoach.com and figure it out. But, um, yeah, so how do you get the book? You go to Amazon is the best place. And when Barnes, it's, well, we've seen it for sale at airports. We've seen it for sale everywhere. So but at Target. But since most of you are grounded to your home offices. Uh-oh, you're um, getting a call. Yeah. You didn't turn your ringer off. Nope, sorry. Bad old Julie. All right, we're good. All right, so you But actually, anyway, get the book. Yes, get the book. Go to uh, Amazon, order the book. It's available on Audible as well. The guy that read the book, oh my gosh, amazing. So definitely get the book there. And if you're interested in, in uh, talking with me about eXp Realty, just text me directly at 512-758-0206. But your homework from today's podcast, again, my cell phone number is 512-758-0206. Your homework from today's podcast is to definitely... Uh, by Harris Rules and get in whatever version you can. And once you've read it and once you love it, please do consider joining the almost 400 other people who have given us a five-star review. Thank you guys. Have a fantastic day. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris.